Hey, welcome to the Creative Career Starter Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. I'm your host, Chris Lyons. In this podcast, we will have conversations with young creative professionals about the steps that they took to go from design school grad to successful employee at a creative firm. The goal is to energize and inform your job search with their tips and stories, maybe help you get your first creative job. So stick around. Let's get at it. On this podcast, we'll be talking with Margaret Summers, product designer at Lending Club in San Francisco, California. Margaret graduated with a degree in graphic design in May of 2018, and after a few interviews at various design firms, chose to become a product designer in the financial technology industry. Good morning, Margaret. Good morning, Chris. Margaret, it's so lovely to have you on my podcast. It's so exciting. I love that you asked me to do this. Oh, are you kidding me? You would have been number one if you were available. <laughs> so I, I, I would love for you to just set the table and talk to our listeners about your career, where you work and what you do on a daily basis. Okay. So I'm a product designer at a company called Lending Club, all one word. The club is capitalized. It is in the fintech sector of Silicon Valley. So financial technologies, it's not as exciting as Facebook and Google when you like look at it. But um, Lending Club is a peer-to-peer loan provider. And um, we're one of the largest, if not the largest, I believe. Don't quote me on it right now, though. We do what it sounds like. We provide loans to people, but there's the opportunity that you, Chris, could invest in a loan that I have, and that's up for grabs. It's a lot like GoFundMe in a way, but we do have independent investors like banks and stuff come in, and they provide the money. You get the loan that you need, and then you have a three- to five-year relationship with us as you pay off your loan. Okay, so what do you do as a designer in, in this company? Yeah, so I've done a lot of different things. When I first started, I was on um, our post-offer experience, which is basically a to-do list of, like, you've done the application, and now we've got a couple other checkboxes for you that didn't fit anywhere else. Um, but after a couple months in that, I moved into our member center experience, which is basically your account, but it's like a jazzed-up version of your account. And um, the member center in the last year that I've been on it has kind of evolved into our experimental and visionary business-driven team that um, we're no longer just your account space, but we're going to become your space to do a lot more with us. We're kind of inventing something that doesn't exist for us and kind of doesn't exist in the um, fintech markets as it is today. Wow. So um, how did you how did you get into this category? This category of work or this category of the team? Yes, both. Uh, I mean, you, when you were in school, you, you were very inquisitive. You were curious about all different kinds of design and communication and gradually really started getting into more product design and user experience design. But did you ever see yourself in the financial tech category? Oh, no. I never saw myself going into UX design. I didn't know what product design was until like halfway through senior year. I I grew up in finance because my dad was a CFO and accountant when I was growing up. My mom was an engineer, so I was like familiar with technical aspects of multiple industries. And um, getting into design, it was a whim. I've talked talked to you about this a little bit, but um, high school I thought I was going to be an engineer. Comes out, I can't do the math, so I was like, <laughs> fine art, design, whatever. And when I got into design, I thought I was going to do specialty printing production. Got a little taste of product design when I was working at Xerox. That was kind of a wild change for me. So when I 
started getting close to graduation and my book started looking a lot more technical and, you know, looking at larger systems of things. Product design still wasn't at the front of my mind, but I realized that I could apply my interest in larger systems and big questions into the kinds of work that I do now. It's incredible to me, the transformation. When I think of you, your first semester, senior year, you did a brand makeover for a nonprofit in Rochester, and it was beautiful, and you won an Addy, and you won a scholarship for it. The work was beautiful. Then the second semester, you redesigned the voting interface for the U.S. government. Talk about that. What made you do that? Yeah, so I like branding. Branding's cool. Branding's a lot of different touch points, but the cynic in me, really, says that to a certain extent, you're always going to be saying the same things, playing the same notes, right? Um, There's expectations in branding and advertising. But when I got into the voting project, I was sharing that project with one of my classmates. She redesigned a lot of the voting interface and I redesigned a lot of like the voting um, like identification. I redesigned the legal technical things that you need to hand over to somebody to prove who you are. And to prove who you are, you need to understand what the interfaces look like and how do you access that? How do you even go to the DMV and get a license, get a voter ID? And that seemed more interesting to me because it was a realistic experience for somebody on the day to day. Like you need to do this to be a part of American society. And the more I got into it, the more I realized I didn't understand it. And it's not to say that I didn't understand branding experiences. It's not like I fully understood uh, that nonprofit. But the goals of the larger system spoke to me more. Well, I remember you would present your work and your classmates would just get cross-eyed trying to figure out what you were doing. And it pushed me as a teacher to be able to help critique at a completely different level. I I don't remember anybody doing something so original and so, I don't know, in-depth and technical that it it really threw me. I had to hustle to keep up with you. (laughs) I liked that you had to hustle to keep up with me. Uh, But I know I've been pushing buttons, and I still do that at work, too. There's a lot of questions that I have, and I'm not afraid to ask them now. Which I think is one of the big reasons you are currently and will be continue to be so successful. You're fearless. Fearless in the face of danger, but definitely internally, I question myself a lot, which I think gets me both very far and um, sets me back a little bit. Confidence is something you got to practice. So one of the things I'd love for you to talk to our audience about is the dilemma you faced when you were offered a position in San Francisco. This comes up quite often with students that I'm dealing with um, where they have a decision to make. Do I sustain a relationship or do I pursue my career? You really had to stare that one down. Yeah. So you and a lot of my classmates saw me in a relationship that was less than fruitful for the better part of college. Towards the end of it, you know, we kind of met our end. And um, then I started dating Ben and things started to be really great and very scary And it was a very short relationship before we had to like kind of confront the idea that like we have to go somewhere, we have to get jobs, we have to start a life. And throughout school, you kind of only really think about yourself and you're like, I'm going to have this job, I'm going to have this career, it's awesome. And then the reality of somebody else being a part of your life, it kind of just hits you like a freight train. And Ben started looking at jobs out in San Francisco and I was looking in New York and then suddenly it flip flops. And when I got my offer, he had just accepted an offer in New York and I thought totally I'd be in New York. Like it, it didn't matter that I was talking to companies in San Francisco. It was just another practice round. And I got the offer and it was too good to turn down. And he was in the room when I got it. 
and you could just kind of feel the weight of the decision being already kind of made for you on a logical level, even if emotionally you're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> and we had a lot of conversations about it. I held out until the very last day that I had to respond to the job where I was like, I don't, I don't know if I want to do this. I don't know if I can leave him. I don't know if I should leave him. It's only been six months. Like, what does this even mean? Am I going to make the wrong decision to follow a boy uh, to New York? Is he going to make the wrong decision to not follow me to San Francisco? Like all of those things. And um, we decided to make a plan and say, let's go after our careers for two years. And if we're still together and we can handle long distance, then we'll make a move after the fact. And I think we couldn't have come to terms with that if we hadn't been friends throughout college the mm. entire time. We got through like the good and the bad together and I knew who he was as a person and he knew who I was. Um, so it made it a lot easier to make that decision knowing that like I could always turn to him and talk to him as a friend first instead of like my partner in a relationship, which it, is like two sides of the same coin. It was still a pretty brave move though to make. I remember talking with each of you independent of one another and Ben saying, I got a great offer in New York. And you saying, I got a great offer in San Francisco. And it was very brave of both of you to just to do that, to take a shot at that for a year. Yeah, yeah. The, the year was interesting because there was a lot of highs and lows with my job, just like his. And, you know, there were moments that I just kind of wanted to cut and run. And coming back to New York was, you know, an easy idea because all my family's from New York. Like East Coast is where I fit in the most, I think. But the possibilities of San Francisco are much larger. And I got lucky that his uh, job has an office out in San Francisco. So the more that we talked about it, the more we could envision ourselves coming out here for a little bit, um, doing the whole California thing, like running around the country when you're young. And, you know, that idealism kind of sank in and it became real because he made the move in June and he's here and it's been nothing but awesome. That's great. What a what a wonderful ending or what a wonderful start to this story. So are you are you are you satisfied with your job? Are you enjoying what you do? So that answer has changed like every three months. Um, and I think that it should like yes. I shouldn't I shouldn't think of this as my dream job. It wasn't my dream job. I don't know what my dream job is, but I fell in love with the people at my office first and foremost. That's why I took the job. Um, and I fall in love with them every single day, which makes me love the work. And um, there's been a lot of change all the time here. Um, I have not once felt settled, really, and that's a good thing. So I'm very happy with the fact that I'm constantly pushed to grow and that I have some of my best friends out here, and I, would not, I wouldn't trade that for the world. That's great. And I think, I think the idea that your first job is your dream job, that that's what you're going to do for the rest of your life, is misplaced. I also think when you get into a situation, there's so much turnover in this industry and it happens so fast that if you get a stinker in your office or, God forbid, as your supervisor, chances are pretty good situations going to change at some point. Yeah, yeah. I've seen a lot of the management change in the past year and a half that I've been here and some of it's been good, some of it's been bad. I've actually kept in touch with a lot of the people who have left and they have really fascinating careers and they're all saying that I'm going to have a fascinating career, mm -hmm. which says they have a lot of faith in me, even if I don't have faith in myself sometimes. But it 
it's okay for things to change. And I think in school, we never really thought about that. We thought that we'd get our dream job and then it would be stable. And then we'd leave on our own terms, not because anything else happened. And, you know, that's not, that's not realistic. Oh, it's really not. You, the fact that you um, have stuck this out and weathered a couple of little mini storms is great. And now you've got a pretty good network of people out in San Francisco, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. I know a lot of people and working in fintech, we're actually, it's a pretty small space. Um, even though you'd think banks are huge and there, there's so many different places that you can go to put your money, but reasonably, um, fintech is kind of in a startup mode. So it, people are moving fast. People are shifting spots all the time and it's, there's no hard feelings in it, but you know, I could go to a lot of different places at any point and I know that I'd fall in with friends. So what would you say to someone who is in your shoes right now about to graduate or having just graduated? What would you say to them about the possibility of the career that, that you undertook? What would they do to become you? Mm, to become me. <laughs> Professionally. <laughs> Professionally. I think you just kind of got to roll with the punches, right? Like, it's not that I'm a very relaxed person. I, I know I don't come off as very relaxed. But I also just kind of accept when something looks good and um, it seems to be the most interesting, even if it's not necessarily the most practical. Like my voting project was not practical at all uh, at first glance, but the more I got into it, the more it was applicable. And so professionally, when I started getting into this job, I didn't really think much of it other than I wanted to learn the technical skill of being a product designer. But the more that I look at the values of this industry and what it's trying to do to help users and help people like access money and really utilize money in the right ways, I, I look at that as shaping like my mindset around how I want to help the world as a designer. So you really got to look at like what you want to learn now and what you want to do probably five years out and whether or not the values of that company kind of excites you. So are you in a position now to look at um, young grads and portfolios and assess and hire? I would think so. I've been a part of hiring at my company since the third day that I was there. Mm -hmm. And that I did not anticipate that like coming in as an associate designer, like you don't think that you're going to be interviewing senior designers. Um, but I've been a part of the hiring process since I started. I've seen a lot of portfolios, uh, talked to a lot of people. And I've, I've given some uh, college students reviews. I've talked with uh, people who are doing career shifts and talked to them about design, both at London Club and as a lifestyle. And it's not that I know everything, but I think I have a good sense of like when somebody's going to be a good fit for us. Yeah. So what, what are the markers? What do you see? I, I think at our company, we look a lot at people who are presenting themselves as who they are and what they can offer us. And there's two schools of thought with applying for jobs. One, there's, there's that. And then the other one is really tailoring your book to fit the role, to say, I'm a product designer. I can do X, Y, Z of this role. Mm -hmm. And then there's, this is me. This is what I can offer you. This is who I am. And our team has really been built up of the first category. Like we need to know who you are and why you're here. And you, if you can prove to us that you have space to grow and that you offer a different perspective, that gets you a lot farther, I think. And Interesting. It's exciting. Do you see a lot of books like that? Do you see kids with that potential? Or is that rare? 
I would say it's probably on the rarer side right now for kids that are coming out of school. Um, I know all of the programs really focus on the technical aspect and storytelling has always been something that you have been really like hard on us, like making us learn how to tell our story, pitch it from start to end. Um, but I think there's a level of self-awareness that a lot of college students don't have and, you know, I shouldn't expect them to have. But then there's also like people who are 10 years into their career who can't really talk about who they are outside of design and how design kind of informs their interests. That bridge is really important. Once you get your first job, it's a lot easier to get your second job. Right now, coming out of school, you technically don't really have any le- any leverage to kind of say like, oh, I don't need you because you need them, you need a job, you need Mm -hmm. to pay off your student loans. But once you're in there, you can't like settle, you can't stay comfortable, but you definitely have a lot more space to grow, to learn, to kind of discover who you are as a designer. So then when you decide that it's time to go, you have the safety net of, um, you can always fall back and stay for a little bit longer if you're not finding the right space for you. Did you interview at multiple places? Yes, I did. How did that go? Uh, that was that was a mixed bag, and I think that was because of my book. I came off as a generalist, and I think you know that benefits me because I apply myself to say who I am and what I can offer you, and this is my mindset. But there's a lot of companies that I talked to that had very specific visions about who they were hiring and what they were hiring for. And it's really good to go through that process to really understand whether or not you want to tailor yourself or if you want to just say, this is me. Hmm. Um But the people who were really looking for a specific thing, a specific person, I felt very off coming out of those conversations. And I think for a little bit, it was like a confidence problem because I thought I wasn't good enough. But it was more I just didn't fit what they wanted. And that's okay. Margaret, I can't thank you enough for joining me on the Creative Career Starter Podcast. Your insights, especially around, you know, the difficult decisions when it comes to personal relationships versus your young career, I think they're really um, insightful. Thank you. It's really exciting to be on here. And I love that you are so interested in my life because it's, (laughs) I need a lot of help. (laughs) Don't we all? (laughs) Thank you so much, Margaret. Thank you. Many thanks to our guest, Margaret Summers from Lending Club in San Francisco, California, for sharing her story. I hope you found it helpful and inspiring as you begin your search for that all-important first job. For more tools to help you on your journey, visit creativecareerstarter.com. See you next time.